This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coach Show podcast. This week, our reaction to Tony's Romo's injury and what that means for the Cowboys' playoff chances. And we'll talk about our favorite Peyton Manning stories as we salute the record-breaking season of the Broncos QB. Lastly, we discuss Mark Trestman's decision to stick with Jay Cutler and other key coaching decisions that could alter the playoff picture. Well, Steve, let's start with with the Cowboys and Tony Romo. There's still some ambiguity as to how hurt he really is. I'm amazed at looking at the tape, if indeed this is a serious back injury, that happened in and around the 11-minute mark that he performed the way he did the latter part of that game and make the throws that he did, if indeed it's a lower back injury. Yeah, on the highlight show we did Sunday night, we, we showed him, you know, kind of hobbling around a little bit, really unsure of what he had hurt, but he played very well after that, you know, and and you know, Brian, when you see a quarterback suck it up, regardless of what the injury is, and just keep playing, won't come out of the game, and just and sort of will his team to win, that's really a feather in his hat. And, and that's what Tony Romo showed all of us, you know, how well he played, given the fact that he was indeed hurt. And so, you know, if, if they have him terrific, because he's been very, very good most of the time, but if he's not there, they're a different team, because... You know, he's a guy that plays a little differently than the typical drop-back passer. If Kyle Orton is the guy, you know, he's a pocket guy. Um, He's an experienced guy. He's been there, done that. But Tony Romo has the ability to extend plays like the best of them, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Ben Roethlisberger or some of these athletic quarterbacks that get out of the pocket, make things happen on an improvise, and they're going to really miss that if Tony Romo's not playing. Yeah, and that improvisation is is mostly good, but also some bad. The hard part will be because, again, as we do this podcast, we don't know for sure what the status is. There's multiple reports. The Cowboys are reporting that he's not ruled out for Sunday. That doesn't mean he will play, but we don't know that he will. Uh, at the very least, you've got to know that he's not going to get a lot of reps during the week. They've got to give that to Kyle Orton, and and particularly if, indeed, they end up going with Kyle Orton, it would not be fair to put him in at quarterback Again, this all, you know, most important game at home against the Philadelphia Eagles for all the marbles in the NFC East without getting all the reps because he has not played, obviously, substantially this year. Uh, and particularly to play in a Philadelphia Eagle team that this thing could end up being a shootout. And, and this could be a track meet up and down the field. And that's the case. Then the quarterback, obviously, it's all going to come down to their ability to keep up with that high-flying offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and you saw the Eagles against the Bears, and it was a track meet. It was up and down the field, and they were good in the snow, too. I mean, this, it's an exciting offense to watch. And the thing about the Cowboys, boy, oh, boy, it seems like this is uh, how it ends. Every year, This is it comes down to the Week 17 game last year. It was a loss to the Redskins that knocked them out of the playoffs. The year before, it was a loss to the Giants that knocked them out of the playoffs. They were in 8-8 eight and eight both years. Uh, could this be uh, the same scenario? And, and it's exciting. It's really uh, it keeps uh, Cowboy fans at the edge of your seat every season. Uh, but they've got to find a way to run the ball, you know, more often and effectively with Marco Murray, and he's a pretty darn good back. And then, uh, of course, the defense of the Cowboys has been 
scrutinized to the nth degree with all their injuries and all the new players. Should be a shootout. It's going to be a shootout, I think, either with Kyle Orton or Tony Romo. But it's going to be right down to the wire for the Cowboys again. Well, let's remember the last time these two teams played now. It was a 17-3 win by the Cowboys. The defense played magnificently, keeping Philly under 300 yards. Uh, and they had forced three turnovers. And their offense held the ball for 36 minutes. So clearly, that's got to be the key for Dallas if they think they're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. The question is, can the defense duplicate the formula, matching up man for man and making Philly do the things that it did the last time they played? And more importantly, you're exactly right. Can they run the ball? I think this is a better Mm -hmm. Philadelphia defense. Forget the offense and Nick Foles and how much better he is. He's been unbelievable over the last, uh, obviously, three quarters of the season, what he's been able to do. But I think the defense for Philly is a lot better, so I'm not sure Dallas may be up to the task of controlling the clock, running the ball, and doing the things they did the last time when they won 17-3. to Well, Brian, you remember the last time, too, they went through all their quarterbacks in that game. Uh, Mike Vick out, Nick Foles out with a concussion, right? And he had a tough go. He, was, he completed less than 50% of his passes for about 80 yards or something. Then Matt Barkley finished the game. So that, that was one of those games for Philly that it just wasn't going to happen. And so they're better now. Nick Foles will probably play the entire game. He won't get knocked out of this thing. And so uh, they're going to have to find a way to slow down that offense. Man, alive. Uh, it's the number one rushing offense in the National Football League, too, with a quarterback that is hot as they come. Well, let's move on to, to the other big story. Obviously, a phenomenal day for Peyton Manning, the Denver Broncos, breaking the uh, single-season touchdown mark with 51 now, uh, surpassing Tom Brady. Pretty good mark to pass. And I thought mm-hmm. Peyton Manning first, obviously typical Peyton Manning, did it with class, say, well, it's great to have an individual record. Brady will probably break it next year. But he was proud to have it because it was an indicator with a new team, with what they've done. You could tell he was proud of the accomplishment, however humbled he tried to uh, present it. Yeah, and watching that press conference, you know, because he's always good. You know that. He's always good after games, at a podium, on the field. um, And he was humble. He's always intelligent and optimistic, but he was humble as heck. And so, you you know, you got to root for a guy like that. And he'll be the first one to tell you that he doesn't do it by himself. He's got a group of teammates that help him get that job done. And, uh, you know, he's 37 years old, but he doesn't play. He doesn't look old. He doesn't play like he's old. He's, uh, he's in the prime of his career. That's scary. And he's got weapons galore. He knows that. Even though they were without Wes Welker, he has the concussion. And then uh, Decker came out of that game for a while, too. But, you know, with the way we throw the ball now in this league, in this league who, who knows is is the sky the limit and does it end here or do we just keep adding to these records you know he's got he's going to have single season records but he's closing in now on Brett Favre's career records for yards and touchdowns and wins and everything else so it's it's an amazing thing that's you know happening right before our eyes and uh you know who knows where it'll end because he's got some good years left in him you know, it's worth mentioning, let's remember, that he chose to go to Denver. So, And he's got such a great big perspective on the game. He saw in Demarius Thomas, he saw in Eric Decker. They didn't have Wes Welker at the time, but they did go out and get a Brandon Stokely um, and, and did not have Julius Thomas at the time. But he saw the core there. Clearly, and, and they've 
this is saying a lot because he came out of some pretty good offenses with some pretty good people. But with that group of skilled people around him, this has got to be the best group around him he's had, isn't it? I think it is. And I and no disrespect uh, to the Reggie Waynes of the world because they're terrific too. And But, boy, oh, boy, from top to bottom. And there's Julius Thomas. Where did he come from? Basketball player from Portland State. And an amazing group of weapons and a couple of runners, too, now that are very dynamic and Monty Ball and no Sean Marino. So, and they're all young guys, right? They're all young guys. They're not going anywhere. So if they can, John Fox and gang can keep that group together for a little bit and uh, they get Ryan Clady back next year and, you know, some of those guys that got hurt, you know, this team's uh, built to stay. Let's, uh, we, we both have faced Peyton Manning for years. We've worked in and around him. What, uh, what's one of your favorite Peyton Manning stories? Well, I don't know if it's favorite or not, but I'll tell you a story. Okay, so when I was coaching in Detroit, Brian, my first Thanksgiving game, it's a, it's a big deal in Detroit, right, to play on thanks, host a Thanksgiving game. And so we had a big one against Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, and we practiced a certain way. And uh, long story short, we won the game. We won the game. It's kind of an upset, right? So I figured, oh, you know, the way we practice and approach the game is the way you should do it. I thought I had all the answers. And so the next year... <laughs> We're playing the Colts, 2004. That was a pretty good year for Peyton Manning. Anyway, he's coming to town. And so we stayed on the same routine as we did the year before because I figured this is the way to go. So I was talking to Peyton before the game, and I said, hey, what'd you guys do this week? He goes, well, we just had a couple walkthroughs. You know, we just were in shorts the whole time and, and not, nothing much, just kind of mental stuff. I went, hmm, good. And I just said to myself, we're going to get these guys today. We're going to get these guys because we prepared real hard for this game. And uh, they just kind of walked through. Well, he threw six touchdown passes against us that day. And he just sliced us up. And uh, I got to thinking about, hmm, this guy's really something. And, uh, I mean, every time he went back to pass, it was like, hold on, hold on, because this thing might end up in the end zone. But uh, that was, you know, until he threw for seven, I was so glad he threw for seven this year because it broke that record of six. Because <laughs> they kept saying against your Detroit Lions, the six. I hate it when they said that, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I tell you what, mine, oddly enough, really came after I was done coaching. Uh, I had a game in Indy. And, a, you know, a huge respect for Peyton. And, and for the first time, I got to go to a practice and watch Peyton Manning practice and watch the way he orchestrates every – I mean, he's coaching the, the line, he's coaching the running backs, he's coaching the receivers – he is the coach of that team, particularly offensively, and he's involved with every aspect of it. So I get to sit down afterwards, and, and he's obviously very gracious, and, and, and we're talking about it. And uh, He's going, yeah, coach. See, I remember, I, I remember that time you, uh, you uh, brought that, uh, that corner blitz. You know, you walked the will linebacker up into the B gap, and you kind of <laughs> snuck the free safety over, and then you brought that corner off the edge. That really got me. And I go, what are you talking about, man? What he goes, yeah, I remember it was six years ago when we first – I'm going, geez, I can't even remember last week. And I went back, and he was exactly right. He, you know, Tony Dungy will tell you that. The guy's got an incredible intellect and an incredible recall for the game, and he knew exactly, and that was in the back of his brain – you know, reminding me that we ran that corner blitz and it got to him oh, and he right. wasn't going to forget that. And uh, that just blew me away. Amazing. Yeah. It's not surprising why he's doing what he's doing. The guy's got it all. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, – uh, oh, I want to finish this off real quick with Peyton Manning as well. I'm getting a little tired of some of the, the rhetoric going around it about how great is Peyton Manning and he's only got the one Super Bowl and should he be there and the back and forth. I mean – 
I, I don't. I just don't understand it. This guy's going to be a slam dunk into the Hall of Fame. Okay, maybe he only has one Super Bowl. That's pretty good. There's a lot of great quarterbacks, Dan Marinos and Warren Moons and the like, that haven't even gotten to a Super Bowl. I, I'm a little tired of, you know, we're only going to measure his greatness by the number of Super Bowls he has. I know. That's what comes up. You know, that, and, I, and the other thing I hear a lot is he's got 11 playoff losses, which is the most. He and Brett Favre, but Brett's got more wins. And I'm going to myself, you know, yeah, that's 11 losses, but that's that's 11 more times that he was in the playoffs, that he yeah, got his team to the playoffs. That? And you can't win every Super Bowl every time you get in the playoffs. So um, he gets his team there. Sometimes he wins. Sometimes he doesn't win. But, you know, it, what a fabulous career. And, uh, you know, but the thing about it is, though, Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm watching him to see, does he sh- show any signs of aging? And he looks as good as ever to me. And I, yeah. you know, I just, and I, and he's, he's healthy after four and this is after four neck surgeries. Okay. And yeah. that's the incredible thing too. This is, he didn't have a hangnail. This was four neck surgeries that he's come back from and he's playing at this level. Are you kidding me? So uh, let's just enjoy him while he's there as fans and we can watch the excellence that he brings to the table and uh, who knows how long he'll play, but boy, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Well, let's rapid fire through a couple things. Uh, let's start with Chip Kelly, the job he's doing in Philadelphia. We all saw that beatdown against Chicago, and he left his starters in the whole time. Some people are kind of questioning that as they come into this big game against Dallas, and was he running it up, and, you know, what, what the aspect. Let's listen to what Coach Kelly had to say about it. Very simply, we're from Philadelphia, and we fight. That's it. If there's a game on, we're playing. End of, end of story. And all this stuff about backing in, not worrying about things, all these other things, I have no idea. So many different scenarios. Could have been a tie. What if there's a tie when we go play Dallas next week and then we gave a game away last week? If we're going to line up and kick off, you tell us what time to show up and we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, was that, I, and, wait a minute. Was that Rocky Balboa? Who was that? <laughs> he's in the right city for that, isn't he? Yeah. He just needs a big piece of meat there to hit while he's given the uh, – If there's a game, uh, we're going to yeah, fight. It, and I understand if we were talking about the last game, uh, typically if a team you don't have something to play for, but during the body of a game and, and, and the fact that it's a primetime game, it's on Sunday night, they've got a big game coming up. I'm not sure how you dial that back either. I, I certainly don't see that as a criticism for Coach Kelly to just keep pouring it on. I mean, I've never seen anybody hold up the white flag. I've never done it, never expected it, and never given any quarter. So I have no problem with what he did. We were talking – during the Sunday games, and when, when we knew that Philly really didn't have to win that game to, you know, to get in or to have, it, to have that showdown with Dallas for all the marbles, people were asking, do you play your guys? And the answer was, of course you play your guys. You know, they're playing, they're having fun, they're, keep, they're still getting better, both sides of the ball. But the other reason that you want to win a game like that, even though you still have to beat the Cowboys next week, is because if you do beat the Cowboys, you want to have the three seed. You want to be number three, not number four. Why? You don't want to have to go to Seattle, all right? Even though Seattle didn't look so good yesterday. But in general, you don't want to go to Seattle. And so that was the reason to go win that game. Now, keeping guys in for a long time, eh, you know, you, you, get, you just start playing and you have fun. And, and uh, I don't know how many backups they have that are, that are ready to go in and, and do the job, but... Uh, I don't know. It's it's fun watching that team. I it they is. surprised me. And I get I take I take my hat off, Brian, to Chip Kelly because here's a guy that had no pro experience, not even as an assistant, 
and he has come from college and uh, with with a limited background in terms of experience that way, never been a head coach. Well, New Hampshire, or no, he wasn't even a coach at New Hampshire. He's a coordinator, right? And so he's he's adapted, he's adjusted, he's learned fast, he's doing his thing as much as he can. I'm really I really give him a lot of credit because it's kind of a fun offense to watch right now. It is. And when he came in, it's not like he came in saying, hey, I'm going to revolutionize the game. That, that was right. us talking about that. He didn't come yeah. in and say, I'm going to change it. He's just going to do what he's going to do. And he's adapted the NFL game. You're exactly right. And they are fun to watch. And, uh, and, and, I, and again, the way they roll people through there, he didn't have to rest his guys because, you know, they keep a constant rolling guys through there. So, you know, I think they're in great shape. And it'll, they're, they're obviously going to be very interesting as they first get into the playoffs. Uh, let's talk about Detroit, the collapse of Detroit. Jim Schwartz, obviously a tough game going into New York. They, they were up so, you know, they're 6-3, and three, and then their, their top opponents in Chicago and Green Bay, they lose their quarterbacks. And then the, the last uh, five or six weeks has just been miserable for Detroit. They seem like they just can't kind of get out of their own way. They go into it a struggling New York Giant team and, uh, and just can't get it done. And, and you could see the emotion with Jim Schwartz. They're saying at the end of the game, I looked at it, and he was turning, getting after the fans who were booing because they were taking it into overtime. I, I don't know if he was yelling at the fans. He said he wasn't. I take him at his word. But certainly you can see the frustration as he sees this thing slip away. Well, it's a deja vu all over again a little bit because last year, remember, they lost their last eight games and went on a slide, and I, I don't know exactly why. I'd have to go back and see how many guys were hurt and if they lost close games, whatever. But at 6-3 and three this year, we were talking on air about, boy, this is the Lions division to lose. They haven't won the division since 1993. And it would be a miracle if they don't just win it. Aaron Rodgers is out. Jay Cutler at the time was hurt. Uh, they had swept the Bears. Uh, it, it, just, it was just there for the taking. Well, they've lost five out of six. It's, a, it's another late season collapse like last year. And I don't know what the answer is. Matthew Stafford hasn't been as sharp lately. He's been forcing the ball a little bit. And defense gives up plays, you know, just when you least expect it. And, and uh, there's some frustration there. I, I know it's a tough this was their chance to win. I know I coached there. And when you're always playing against Favre or Aaron Rodgers or some of these great players, you know, you want to try to find a way to win that darn division. Well, this was the golden ticket, you know, the, the two starters in front of you. And then, of course, the Vikings had quarterback problems. So this was the time to do it. They didn't get it done. There's some frustration there. Yeah, and, and I'm doing a piece uh, about, you know, as we come up on the firing season and next Monday and Tuesday we'll be – Black Monday and Tuesday with the normal changes that we're all familiar with. I'm doing a piece kind of, I'm not highlighting the coaches that are on hot seat. I'm making a case for all the coaches that ought to come back. Every single one of them. I don't think they ought to fire anybody. And here's why. And for Jim Schwartz, I think we have to remind ourselves just how far that team has come. I know it hasn't finished well, but we got to remember how bad that team was when he took it over, the way they built it. You know, this league has a way of kind of doing what it's going to do. And we'll, we'll find out what happens with coach Schwartz on Monday or Tuesday, but I hope Detroit Lions keep that in perspective. And let's yeah. flip it over to stay in the NFC North, that team we saw on Sunday night against Philadelphia. Mark Tressman, tough outing with Jay Cutler. Now they're questioning, maybe you shouldn't have gone with Jay mm. Cutler. I don't imagine keeping Josh McCown in would have made any difference in that 54-11 beatdown. I don't think Jay Cutler or Josh McCown or, or Jim McMahon or anybody are making any tackles. That, that, that defense can't stop anybody. 
they're the they're the worst run defense in the league. And and uh, when you can't stop anybody running the ball, you just you die a slow death. <laughs> there they go. All the injuries they've had. Henry Melton and Charles Tillman and Briggs got back. He looked a little rusty to me, but he, he missed a lot of games. He's back. DJ Williams, out, I mean, all kinds of injuries. And so regardless of what the, who the quarterback is, you're fighting an uphill <coughs> battle having to outscore people. And once in a while, they'll do that. They've got, a, they've got weapons galore. I didn't think Matt Forte had a very good game. I was expecting more out of the running back position. And uh, it's going to be interesting that, you know, Jay Cutler started when he when when the big decision was to play Jay was the week a week ago, and Josh McCown had the hot hand. Well, he started off slow, a little rusty, threw a couple of picks, but he ended up that game very well and won it. And it's like that's your starting quarterback, and there's no looking back. And I think going forward against Green Bay, there's no looking back. You start Jay Cutler <coughs> and let's go. And I and I get I tip my hat to uh, Josh McCown. He did a good job coming off the bench, but he's the backup. Well, let's talk about the game itself. The, the matchup uh, certainly doesn't favor the Chicago Bears. Green Bay, who's running the ball very well. Whether Aaron Rodgers plays or not, Matt Flynn's certainly kind of getting back into a rhythm. But if, if indeed they can run the ball with Eddie Lacy the way they've been running, and you're right about that Chicago Bear defense, they haven't slowed anybody down. I did that Cleveland game. I think I told you last week about having a great shot of Mel Tucker kind of yelling at his troops, yelling, guys, I only have 11 guys to put down the box. That's all I can do. I can't, you know, if, if, 11, if, if 11 of you can't stop, if 11 of you can't stop the run, I don't know what we do from there. And, and that's going to that's going to be a little problematic for them. And how about that? If indeed the Green Bay Packers can pull that off with all they've gone through and find their way into the playoffs. That would be amazing without Aaron Rodgers playing and, and I don't know that he's been ruled out, has he? Uh, I have not game, yet. But no, I, we I, haven't. It'd be unlikely to me that, that he would play. But Eddie Lacy, the rookie from Alabama, has got to be licking his chops right now in, in a cold-weather game. Let's pound it. Let's keep the ball away from whoever plays quarterback and uh, go, go find our way into the playoffs. That would be amazing by the Packers. Now, Clay Matthews may or may not play, right? He came out of that last game, and that'll be a factor, too. He's a heck of a player, so... Hey, I love the way all of these division games are coming right down to the end, and 13 out of these 16 games are relevant for playoff implications. What a way to finish the season. Yeah, the league's got just what they want, particularly on the NFC side. It's going to be exciting. Well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast. Make sure to download us. Go to NFL.com slash podcast or go to iTunes and download the series. We'll be right back here next week on the Coach's Show podcast.